Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Morning, church. Happy September. Happy Labor Day weekend. I hope it's good to be here. 13 months ago, my family moved to Salem, and uh, my, Je- my wife Jess and I, when we came here, we had a lot of friends that were saying, oh, you should move to Salem. Climate is unbelievable. <laughs> Temperate. It never snows. It rains, but the sun comes out every day, and uh, it never gives above 90. And so uh, a lot of those friends who are, have been here this weekend, I've let them know that we're rebuilding trust. And uh, we're, we're going to get there. But my name is Rob. I'm a pastor here at Sam Alliance Church. I'm also the associate dean of Reach Training Institute, which is a college here that we've started at Sam Alliance Church that trains men and women up to be ministers of the gospel. And it is a privilege to be here today. This is the last week in our summer series and our family gathers time. Our theme is Legos, in case you didn't grasp that. And we've, we've been on a journey together. We've talked a lot about building, and Rod got us started off, and he talked about how we all have these different attributes, these different giftings that we bring and we add, and that's how the church is built. If you remember, if you were here, Sean O'Connor talked about that middle time, that time in between, where we've heard God speak, but he hasn't yet moved and answered. It's a powerful day. Anya talked to us about trusting the builder, trusting God, the one we partner with. And Jeff Brown last week talked about how God uses the ordinary. Today we are talking about how God is building his kingdom, of, his kingdom thing here on earth. He's building it. We, the community of believers, he's building us and he's building with the end in mind. I'm a pretty competitive. I'm a very competitive person if you talk to those who are close to me. I don't know if you've ever taken the strength finders test. It's a kind of a personality assessment. I took that. A pastor from here actually came to the Middle East about 10 years ago, Matt Boda, and he came to the Middle East and he gave us this test, some of us leaders that were serving there. And I remember he came to me afterwards and said, I've been given this test all over the world. I've given it to thousands of people and you're the first one who your number one strength is competitiveness. <laughs> and we're saying, that is even a, that's considered a strength? You know, that seems like something we've got to, like, work on. And, and I remember I, so I started to learn and grow and how to use that for the kingdom. And as I was preparing for this message and just thinking about Legos, I know that there's a lot of Lego competitions out there. I had no idea how many Lego competitions there are out there. And one of them that Lego brand partners with the Guinness Book of World Records, I don't know if you knew this, but, like, cities all over the world compete to have the highest Lego tower in the world. And it's like this big thing. In 2011, Paris kind of got it going. They built something 103 feet tall. Only to have that beat the next year by Seoul, Korea. 105 feet tall. Legoland in Windsor, England got a hold of this. They said, Lego's in our name. We probably need to compete with you. They went for it. They barely beat Seoul by a half foot. Only to have Prague steal it away three, three months later. 106 feet. America heard about it. Come on. You know, you know what I'm saying? America, we got to be first in everything. That's just kind of this weird thing we have. And so a group of kids in Delaware got together, and they didn't beat it by like six inches. They went for it. 112 feet, 11 inches. They built this tower. Budapest, here's a picture of Budapest. They grabbed it back a couple months later. 114 feet. These things are massive. 
massive. But then there was this group of kids in Milan, in Italy, and this group of kids got together and said, we want that record in our city. We want it. Over a half million bricks, 580,000 Lego bricks, they went for it and built something. It took them four days. 115-foot structure. And in just a second, we're going to watch a video about that. But I know a lot of you are freaking out and you think I might have forgot about these things, right? Well, truth be told, this is the only one that's left. was like so greedy and they were taking four or five and they were like, ha ha, 11's getting nothing. But lucky for you guys, our ushers who rushed in here, took the offering, rushed back out. They had this like fish and loaves moment and they're out there and they're praying. So of course we have fruit snacks for you. Of course we do. (laughs) So you guys can bring those fruit snacks for it. We have those for you. Don't worry. We would not leave you hanging. So fruit snacks are on their way. But as you uh, receive your fruit snacks, would you check out this video of the kids in Milan putting this thing together? intense that music is for a Lego competition. Incredible, incredible. Uh, If you don't speak Italian, what the man said, what the judge said there at the end, he said, congratulations, you did it, you broke the record. You built strong with the end in mind. I have no idea actually what he said, I don't speak Italian, but that, that is our big idea for today. Our big idea today is that we are called to build strong with the end in mind. You see, those kids and all the people that have gotten together to attempt to break this record have built with clarity. They have built with the end in mind. The kids here in Milan, they knew they had to build 115 feet. And so they built a solid foundation and they did it. Legos were created to build. They're built with the end in mind. They made it to their goal and the Guinness Book of World Records judge, he came in and he said, you did it. He gave them the thumbs up. Their tower stood strong. Similarly, we, the church, are called to build strong for the test. Building with the end in mind. 
Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15. We'll be looking at this passage this morning. If, you have, if you're using the Bible in the pews, it's on page 1,806. But this passage that we're looking at in 1 Corinthians 3 today is about the action of building. It's about the action of building, the collective constructing of the church. When I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about an actual physical building. We are talking about the gathering, the dwelling together of God's people. And this passage here in 1 Corinthians is a letter written to the early church, the church in Corinth. They're trying to figure a lot of things out and they're messing up a lot of things. And it's full of warnings and it's full of instructions. But Paul's word to this early church, practical for them obviously, but it also still has insights for us today. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Pray with me. Spirit, we thank you that you are here, but we invite you this morning to be the one who brings affirmation to those that need affirmation about how they are building. And we invite you, Spirit, to come and bring conviction to those that need, who are not building very carefully. Bring that conviction and bring freedom with it as well. Lord, we love you. We declare you are king. You rule and reign in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. The easy part to discern in this passage is the concept of the, uh, of the foundation. Every single one of those Lego towers, those skyscrapers that they're building out of these little blocks had to have an incredible foundation. The foundation is key. It's the most important part of the building because it determines the size, the shape, and the strength of the structure. Although it's not where we're going to focus today, I want us to just stop for a minute. And let me just remind you, we the church... We, Salem Alliance Church, are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his redemptive work and nothing else. We are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his redemptive work and nothing else. The foundation has been laid and now it is our turn to partner with Christ. We are the builders, all of us. Not just the elders of this church, not just the staff, not just the governing board. All of us have been called to be the builders of this church. And when I speak of us collectively building the church I speak of us committing to community groups that grow us through honest relationships and provide care. I speak of us finding courage to get into life path and find that safe place to process. I mean us following up on volunteer opportunities, which we heard many of as people came up here and shared last weekend, in serving this community, this church. I mean finding service opportunities in our community. Maybe you're being called to chop wood and deliver it with the Royal Order of Red Suspenders. Maybe you're being called to deliver furniture to single moms. But when I talk about building, I mean moving beyond just being a participant in Sunday morning and getting involved, getting involved in new ways, getting involved in discipleship groups and those different opportunities. I mean generously giving and praying for our people who are at work doing incredible things in the nations. 
I'm talking about building. I'm talking about buying in. See, we as a community, we are building. We're building into one another. We're building into this church community corporately, and we are building into our city. Friends, this is an exciting place to belong. I hope you've realized that. I hope you realize that if you've been a partner here at Sam Alliance Church for any amount of time, you know that we long to build in a way that has great impact and great effect on our city. Our goal is to see this city become a city at peace with God like never before. Our desire is to see Salem and its surrounding areas experiencing a growing presence of the kingdom of God. And this happens when God's people build together. We build with this end in mind. But in this passage here, Paul is urging us to be careful how we build. He is urging us to be careful how we build on this foundation. And friends, this passage, it makes it clear that how we build will have eternal consequences. You see, we don't talk about this very much anymore. We don't talk about the impending judgment and the motivation that it can bring us much anymore in the church today. For years, this was a major motivation in the church. It spurred people on to all sorts of things. I, for one, am kind of glad that the church has moved away from this. It kind of makes me feel uneasy. But my question today is, have we let that pendulum swing a little bit too far, where we just read over passages like this and we don't really sit in them? You see, when I read this passage, it makes me sit up a little bit. It's like back when I was in seventh grade and that teacher, Mrs. Smith, had lulled me to sleep. She had lulled me to sleep, but all of a sudden she says, but this is going to be on the test. And suddenly I wake up and I start taking detailed notes because I know that test is on its way. As a community, how we build will be tested and it has eternal consequences. This morning I want to share with you a few warnings, distractions, default habits, unhealthy habits that we inadvertently might slip into when things get tough. These are things that keep us from building well. Things that cause us to stop building or even at times cause us to tear down what others have built. From there, I want to transition and I want to explain to you what I think some of the gold ways to build are. Those things that will stand the test. But first, a few, a few warnings. The first one is this. Sometimes we get cynical and we stop building. Sometimes we get cynical and stop building. I've said it this week. I'm not a cynic. I'm a realist. I'm not cynical. I'm just experienced. I don't know if you've realized this, but we live in a pretty cynical world right now. It permeates our culture, and it's invaded the church. Numbers of people are cynical of the church's purpose, influence, finances, and that is growing. And I get it because I'm a fairly sarcastic and cynical person. Those that know me well will attest to that. And when things aren't going well, my sarcasm and desire for a laugh can easily cross into cynicism. I like to think that it's my justified form of criticism, but it's not. It is not. And maybe you too have become cynical. Maybe you've become cynical about the disconnect of the church and its ability to relate to our culture. Maybe you've become cynical about the hypocrisy that you have seen. How that person can lift their hands in worship and then yell and shame their kids on the football field the same week. Maybe you've become cynical at how the church makes decisions or spends their finances or is so quick to judge. 
Maybe you've become cynical at the awkward relationship and the voice of the evangelical and how it's connected to American politics. Maybe you are cynical because you think the church is too insular and all they care about is reaching and protecting their own people. Or maybe the opposite. You feel that the church spends too much time reaching out and neglects its core, our body of believers. Just for the record, I am not cynical about any of those things. That was sarcasm, which probably would not be appropriate right here, but anyway. For me, cynicism can become a default habit, something I turn towards almost unknowingly when I'm stressed or I'm not in control. This is magnified in our world today because back in the day, people would have closed doors meetings, people that were called to bring change, and together they would talk about what needs to change, and then they would implement that change. But today that happens on social media platforms for all to see. And what happens is those who have issue, who have complaints, or have been hurt by the church, or have easy access to people that feel the same way, suddenly that brings a level of justification, and a spiral begins, and trust in the communities of believers dissipates. Cynicism can be dangerous. Here's a great definition of what I think cynicism is. Cynicism manifests itself out of frustration with persons, institutions, organizations, and authorities that have left their victims disillusioned and angry. Cynics feel cheated, robbed, lied to, and taken advantage of. Maybe you know the feeling. Disillusionment has been described as the dispersal of illusions, and many Christians are finding themselves passing through disillusionment only to drown in a sea of cynicism. Let me stop here for a moment. Let me clarify a few things. First, some of you that are cynical towards the church, I get why. Really, I do. Evil is at work, and some of you have been hurt by the church, and that hurt is real. And I am not here to discount that. You've been wronged by leaders or parishioners, possibly in this church or in others, and I am sorry. On behalf of this community, I am sorry. The church has messed up plenty of times in history. I was pastoring in Boston in a season where many covered up transgressions of the church were exposed. The main places where a lot of the main place where a lot of the abuse took place was blocks from where I pastored on the same street, and I saw the effects of that firsthand. The church, as my friend Brian Candelo likes to say, is brutal. It is broken and it is beautiful at the same time. So if you have been hurt, I get that. But unfortunately, cynicism will not take you out of the hurt and the broken trust that you've experienced. It might make you feel good for a minute, but in the end, it generally only leads to despair. And that is not the path that you want to be on. Let me also state that there are times when the church needs to be called out. But this generally is not cynicism. This is something that is done. It is important that we keep our alignment with orthodoxy in the ways of the spirit. But this is a high calling and cynicism has no part in that. Also, know that I'm not calling us this morning to some false positivity where we only concentrate on that which is going good and focus on nothing else. No, authenticity is good. It is so good. It is a building material that will stand the test. But oftentimes, I think we look at cynicism and we say that is authentic, but it's not. It lacks the vulnerability that true authenticity should demonstrate. And oftentimes, cynicism, at least in my life, is a protectionist thing, and it closes the conversation. So the question I have for you this morning, 
is have you slowed down building into this community, into this church, because there is some level of undiagnosed cynicism that you have allowed to creep in. Many have left the church and they are cynical. And millennials, I am not just talking to you. Many of you know exactly what I'm referring to because you have had close friends, you have had family, some of you have even had kids that have left the church and they are cynical. And when they talk about the church and disrespect her, it jabs you, it eats at you, and it hurts. In church, we want to pray for those people, for those brothers and sisters that the trust would re be rebuilt and they, we, they would come back and help change the things that they became cynical to. But for us today, in this room, what do we need to do to keep from heading down that same path? Let me throw out three suggestions to you, and by no means are these the perfect answer. But the first is this. Try to trust again, both in community and in God. You see, when trust in the community of believers is broken, it is devastating. And that trust needs to be re-earned. And this is a process. And it takes courage to even begin that process. But if that's where you are, I bless you with courage today. And I pray that you will take the steps to rebuild that trust. Maybe you need to journal down some of the things that you need to see happen before you re-engage and rebuild that trust. Maybe you need to have some, some fierce conversations this week. But my invitation is that you would rebuild that trust and trust again. A second thing, recommit, double down. Change comes from within the community. You see, cynicism is the lazy road. I know because I have chosen it so many times. There have been multiple times where I have drifted and wanted to give up completely on the evangelical church. Things that they stood for, ways that they were operating got me so upset and I became so cynical that I just wanted to escape. I wanted to leave it. But I felt the Lord say, no, you need to double down. You need to recommit because I need to use you to bring change. And friends, that is what your invitation is. If there are things that you have become cynical to, be a leader that brings change. Because if you don't, you will exit. And when you exit, your voice is gone. A third thing, respect the church, the bride of Christ. We've all been to weddings. We've all sat back and we have witnessed and celebrated what is taking place. Maybe some of us, not me, but some of us, at the reception, have also gotten a little cynical at the caterer, at the DJ's choice of songs, at the mother-in-law's dress. <laughs> but never once have we been cynical towards the bride. No way. Much respect goes her way, and the church deserves the same. We are the bride of Christ. We are far from perfect but we are the bride of Christ. We need to respect that. One way to follow that is a covenant that our student ministries team here at Sam Alliance Church chooses to use. I heard this earlier this week for the first time and it initially, it just brought conviction to me. Words worth memorizing. You'll hear them say things like this. Your name is safe in my mouth. Your words are safe in my mouth. The church's name is safe in my mouth. Friends, cynicism is something that we can slide into. It becomes an unhealthy way to register our dissatisfaction and our complaints. Be careful. 
A second thing, we can build in a way that makes us look good, and it's self-promotion. Self-promotion. The focus is on us, the attention getters. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here this morning, but understand that we live in a culture that develops self-promoters unbelievably well. It is what we do. Instagram is all based on this, the lure of self-promotion. How many likes did I get that? We frame our lives. Everyone has become a promoter. This too has invaded the church. And so I ask you some questions. Are we ministering to one another and serving in this community for his glory or for our recognition? Are we comfortable not being in the limelight? Are we comfortable letting others speak and practicing listening in our community groups, in our Bible studies, in our youth groups? Are we comfortable when our efforts to bless this city are not recognized or worse, misunderstood? The Gospels make it clear Christ sits down to his 12 disciples and he says to them, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant to all. And so how do we remedy, remedy this? How do we create a culture that doesn't self-promote? There are many ways, but this morning I want to just give you one. Recognize and genuinely thank people in our community that are serving behind the scenes. Recognize and genuinely thank people in our community that are serving behind the scenes. People that, like those who are running our sound booth today whose whole job is to not be noticed this morning. The ushers who were like speed cadets getting us our stuff this morning. The, the people wearing the orange t-shirts out there that are there to greet and point new people to where they need to get to. The men and women that have been faithfully teaching your children so you can come here and worship every week who get this month off. And those in Omni who are down there right now and we don't give any time off. Thank those people. Recognize their contribution. But don't just stop with those who are part of the weekend. Thank those who are serving in our church. Thank those in your community group that bring the snack. Thank those who host the Bible studies that you go to. Thank those who are the administrators of this building, who are the ones that clean this building and keep our, our landscaping immaculate. Thank those who work in finance here. I believe that as we continue to recognize those who are serving by the, behind the scenes, that it will help keep us from falling into self-promotion. Like cynicism, self-promotion keeps us from building properly. But it is the third warning this morning that I feel is the most vital because it doesn't just keep us from building, it tears down. And that is a critical spirit. A critical spirit. This grieves the Lord. We get these situations where we, we criticize, we cr criticize these other communities of believers and this is wrong. It is wrong. I, I feel that oftentimes we have a list of who God will partner with and our list is more judgmental than God's list. And one of the main reasons I feel that is true is because of this. We tend to judge ourselves by our actions and others by their, our, we tend to judge others by their actions and ourselves by our own intentions. You see, that's not fair. But we do that all the time. We need to be careful not to do this. We don't know the motivations of people's hearts and we should be content to judge only ourselves and our inner circles of people. We, we should not be judging collectively a larger audience than that. That is not our responsibility. You see, a critical spirit is an obsessive attitude of criticism and fault finding which seeks to tear down rather than build up. 
But let me stop here for a second as well. And over the past year, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot throughout our country. And I've gotten to visit and speak in a whole lot of churches. And I've gotten to go to conferences where all the newly ordained pastors from our denomination are. And I've been able to give them charges and sit with them and hear about how they're doing. And let me tell you something. we got a problem because there's a critical spirit going on. And these, these young leaders are frustrated because they see it. But I stand before you, having been here now for 13 months, and I tell you, I don't see it here. I don't. And let me say that that's rare. And let me say thank you. Salem Alliance Church, thank you for being a body of believers that gives more grace than grief for one another, for your leaders, for the communities that you are building. Thank you. And I bless us with continued health, peace, and freedom from a spirit of criticism. But with that said, while this is not part of our predominant culture here at Sam Alliance Church, in a body this week, I'm sure that there are some who are personally struggling with this. And it is important to understand what it is, what it looks like, and how it can be dealt with. A critical spirit can look like gossip, slander, judgment, excessive complaining. And when you see these things happening, or if you're struggling it with it yourself, can I encourage you to deal with it? Now, if you see it in your circle, in your network of influence, and you see people doing this, can I advise you not to go to those people and say, stop it. Please don't do that. What that leads to is behavior modification. And I can't stand behavior modification. I'm pretty sure behavior modification is wood, straw, and it's going to burn. At the test at the end, behavior modification is not going to do it. Because if people have a critical spirit, there's something more there. So go help those people. Help them find freedom. Help them realize what the root that is causing those external actions, what, what is it? Is it envy? Is it fear? Is it a, uh, just a need to be in control? Go after those root causes. Disciple those people. Mentor, ment- mentor those people. If you are struggling with this criticism thing, let me remind you that only God knows the motives of the heart. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. The reason we come together as a church isn't to criticize, but it is to motivate and to encourage one another. Paul warns us to be careful how we build. And please do, sit back and take notice of these warnings. Allow the Spirit to convict you and allow him to grant you freedom from these things. But today I want to talk to you most. What I want to leave you with is how do we build with the gold? How do we build with the silver and the precious jewels and these materials that according to 1 Corinthians 3 will stand the test? What are these? How do we do this? As we've said, we build strong with the end in mind. And that end goal should be to make Christ known, to make his name great and his kingdom expand here on earth. 
Let me remind you again that we are a community of Jesus followers that want to make Salem a city at peace with God, and we build with this end in mind. It is the kingdom of God for the here and now, the kingdom of God with eternal ramifications and blessings. We build on the chief cornerstone. That is our foundation, Christ Jesus. While these remedies that I've thrown out this morning towards cynicism and self-promotion are things that will stand the test, I believe. Let me add two more things this morning. The first is this. Live generously. Live generously. I feel this is gold. Doing unto others as you want them to do to you. Live generously with your time, with your finances, with your giftings. Living generously in my mind means living to the point where it affects your lifestyle. That's how community is built up. That is how the church is built, both the corporate church and the kingdom of God. And while what happened in Houston was horrible this past week, that disaster and the devastation that it brought was difficult. I do love the weeks that follow those because the church, the bride of Christ, shows up. The bride of Christ comes and lives generously and people give generously. They give of their time and they give of their money and they help people get back on their feet. And it is impressive to watch. So enjoy that this week. Watch the church, engage with it yourself and live generously. The second thing, live with the hope of heaven, ready for the judgment that will come. Live this way. Live knowing that we are building, that what we are building now has eternal consequences. The imagery here in 1 Corinthians should get your attention. Scripture tells us continually that Christ's return is imminent. It could happen at any time. The end is near. A day is coming when we will walk through this fire. The smell of smoke will be on our clothes. What we build now has eternal consequences. Do we realize this? And do we live this out? Church, let the fire motivate you and spur you on to holiness. Let it spur you on to sharing Christ with others and building up this community here in proper ways that will last, not taking the shortcut or being wrongly motivated. Live with the end in mind. Let me conclude by asking you to imagine. Let me conclude by asking you to imagine that you are there with a thousand kids in Milan, Italy. You are there, and for the last four days, you've stacked these Legos, and you got the tower going, and you see the Guinness Book of World Records judge heading up there with his cool blue blazer and his little, his little label, and he's got that big, ridiculous weight on the measuring stick. He's about to let that thing down, and you're in the tent. You're waiting to see what will happen. What are you feeling? If you're one of those kids, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? In my mind, there's some anxiety there. If I'm one of those kids, there's some incredible, there's anxiety. I'm stressed out. Will this thing, if it just stands for five more minutes until we get the thumbs up, we are good. I also imagine that those kids are also feeling fairly confident. I think that they're feeling confident because they were led well. That foundation was strong. It hasn't fallen yet. It's probably going to last. And they built with the end in mind. They knew they had to get to 115 feet. But during that time when he's rising up in that thing, what are they feeling? And then what do they feel when they get the thumbs up? This joy. Church, what do we feel? Picture your community group. Picture your Bible study fellowship. Picture your D group. Picture your youth group. Picture all of us in this room together standing before the throne ready to walk through the fiver. What are we sensing? 
What is it that you are feeling? You see, that judgment day is coming where the sincerity of our work, individually and collectively, will be evaluated. The good work will be rewarded, and the unfaithful or insincere work will be discounted, and the accomplishments deemed worthless. What are you feeling? Is it some sort of anxiety? For me, it is. But that spurs me on, and that motivates me. And yet, at the same time, it's coupled with this confidence. This confidence that I am part of a community here that is building with materials that will stand the test. A church that is building with the end in mind to make this city a city at peace with God. And while that nervousness, even as I imagine it, does exist, in my mind it is accompanied by a beautiful excitement that the judge is going to look at us and say, well done. Embrace that beautiful excitement. May we continue to be a community that lives as though what we are building now has eternal consequences. Build strong, build with the end in mind. Let's pray. Jesus, we accept the realities of your kingdom. We accept the realities of your kingdom. We declare you our Lord. We declare our service to you. And we tell you that we love you. And we want to see your church built We want to see a greater impact on this city. We want to see people get free. We want to see people healed. We want to see people grow. So teach us how to build. Give us courage where we need courage. Give us freedom where we need freedom. Let us celebrate where we are justified to celebrate. Spirit, we love you. Help us to build strong. With the end in mind, in Jesus' name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.